Well, that was something, wasn't it? Wild finish there on the war and I four as UCF victorious 17 to 13. Welcome to night chef. Eric Lopez here will be uh, have a special guest coming up here momentarily, but the night victorious 17, 13 and a dramatic finish one that they will be talking about certainly in Tampa for a while. We'll break down that last sequence, but the, not the prettiest of football games. I would not put this as a classic compared to 2017 for sure. But UCF victorious 17-13. I'm Eric Lopez here. Make sure you subscribe to us on our YouTube page. Make sure you like us there. You follow us on Twitter as well as on Facebook you like. Of course, blackandgoldbanneret.com is your source for all of UCF sports. Uh, Andrew Glukoff is at the game. He's at the post-game press conference. We'll try to carry some of the post-game press conference before this show Ends. Well, Knights victorious. They finish the regular season at eight and four. South Florida drops to two and ten, but a very, very wild finish there where South Florida has a first, gets it inside the goal line. And then Timmy McClain gets sacked. His knee is down, throws it up for grabs, gets picked off, but his knee was down. But they have no timeouts left. And so they ruled that the there was no time left, which is accurate. Uh, and I know some people in the Tampa uh, USF fans are upset about it, but because USF had no timeouts, that clock was supposed to keep going. And they would have had to line up and set everything up. And I don't believe they would they would not have had a lot of time to pull that off. And uh, it, they weren't going to get eight seconds back. I thought the officiating actually did a good job on that play. And uh, But tough pill for swallow for USF fans. Very fortunate for UCF. I, I don't think the prettiest of results, but as, a, as we talk about, you take the win. I said this on the podcast. As long as you get a win, this is a do not lose game. Win ugly, doesn't matter. Uh, just find a way, and they did. It wasn't the prettiest. We'll dissect that. Uh, but they win the game. They now lead the all-time series between these two teams and what could possibly be the next-to-last matchup between these two teams. They will play again next year in Tampa, and that'll probably be it for a while and uh, UCF victorious. All right, joining us now, a man who has no uh, cloth, uh, if you will, in this game, but got to enjoy it. He is the radio host on 1560 up in the Melbourne area across the country, uh, the state. You also see him on Spectrum 360 very frequently. My man, Mark Moses, I figure I returned the favor. You have me on so often. <laughs> I figure to get you on it. What a time I picked to have you on in this crazy finish between UCF and South Florida. Your thoughts? Eric, thanks for having me on. And I'll tell you, that, that last drive by South Florida, Hey, give them credit for four quarters of football. They came to compete today and steal this win. But just I, one more play by UCF's defense was the key. I, I'm telling you, I did not think it was going to be this close. But you know what's funny? Defense and hitting a field goal late was the difference for Gus Malzahn and his team. Who would have ever thought that, Eric, at the end of the day? <laughs> Yeah, it was weird. It was a weird game throughout. I thought UCF controlled the first quarter and a half, but they kept selling for field goals and they kept missing field goals. And you're like, boy, this could come back to haunt you. Uh, but they got that touchdown right before the half to go up 14 to seven, which is big because they didn't do anything in the third quarter. They got that field goal drive, though, you mentioned to go up by four because you're right. Otherwise, South Florida could have just for a field goal to win the game. <laughs> Wow, that drive, though, is crazy. That last play, let's talk about it. That, that's a play that's going to be talked about. I already see my friends in Tampa. They're already upset. They're livid. But I got to tell you, Mark, and I kind of tweeted it out live. The clock should have never stopped. USF had no timeouts. He took the sack in the knee, but that doesn't mean that the clock stops. Uh, the clock automatically goes, and I don't think USF would have been able to get a playoff. So I think the officials made the right call. What did you see from your vantage point oh. watching it live? Here's what's interesting with the final drive. So UCF had three offsides yeah. on defense. Three different times it happened. The other thing is there was a play earlier on an offsides where McLean is run around. He has a free play. He takes 20 seconds off the clock and then throws an interception. That really hurt South Florida earlier in the drive. You took all that time off and you hit it right on the head where 
look, his knee is down, and then he throws the ball. So it's, that was the worst thing. it's yeah. nine seconds when his knees goes down, but then the play continues. The ref, the refs, see the refs make the mistake there. They should have blown it dead right there. Should have been more time on the clock, but maybe some home cooking helped out UCF where they just let the clock run to zero and the refs are like, let's just get out of here. That, let me tell you that final drive, it looked like they were taking on Michael Vick and Lamar Jackson all of a sudden. <laughs> and you can see, this was funny. You could see in the pocket, he can't throw the ball down the field. So he's scrambling, scrambling. UCF, you could tell they're on their final breath of this game trying to survive. Then late in the drive, he does go over the middle and makes a big throw. So it was a crazy one. It really was. I, I'm not going to lie. With about 10 seconds ago, I thought South Florida was going to win this game. Right. And his no, knee went right. down. His knee went down, but the, the thing is, you even if the, the refs blow it dead there, the clock still continues. There's no timeout. South Florida has no – that's what cost South Florida is. The, the, they used, remember, they used the timeout earlier in that drive when McLean took the sack, and you saw the freshman make some mistakes in this drive, taking the sack, a couple of sacks. Even on the play where UCF was offside, he kind of waited and waited and waited and waited and threw the interception. Even though it was a free play, you're eating up clock. Just throw it yeah. away. Throw it away. And I think that's the mistake with a young freshman quarterback like McLean that he makes in that situation. You got to get rid of the ball and somebody needs to instruct that to the quarterback. So I don't know if that falls under Jeff Scott and the staff or what, but that you got to throw the ball away because you have no timeouts, anything on the field and the clock runs. He had another play. I know there, there's so the final drive felt like it was 95 plays long. Like it just <laughs> yes. it kept going. There was another play where, where UCF sacked him when he, you're right when he should have thrown it away. It's like South that's Florida what cost them their last time out. Yeah, they just needed one more play. I you know what? I know Jeff Scott gets ripped apart, and this was not a good year. That showed you got a young quarterback. Maybe you could build around this. It it would have been for South Florida if they would have gotten this win. It would have been gigantic for them going into next season. It really would have. They just need to make one more play. But like I said, home cooking. And I never thought, I never thought Eric Lopez would say this in 10,000 years. He said the refs got it right. You congratulated the refs. It's amazing. Amazing. I, I think they got it right. That's It's a tough play because you don't, you can't assume South Florida would have been able to line up correctly and spike the ball, get everybody together within nine seconds. UCF yeah. was certainly not going to like rush to line up. That's for sure. And that's part of it. Again, if you have the timeout, you get that extra play. If you throw the ball away, you have the extra play. Think of the timeout that uh, Holtz, I mean, not Holtz, geez, he got fired today too. Skip Holtz. <laughs> I mean, that's all these USF coaches there. Jeff Scott used, remember he used it in the goal line yeah. where UCF settled for the field goal. I mean, that timeout was precious. Uh, so again, it's a situation where if you have that timeout, you could say, hey, we want to use that timeout right away. And they would have gotten those extra plays, but they didn't. I, and the clock I, runs out. Eric, when they went to the the they went to the review, I was getting flashbacks to that game, Nebraska versus Missouri, where Scott Frost, I know I'm bringing this up, they got the fifth down play to win on the road. Because I think everyone in the bounce house, and just like you at home, we're all thinking the same thing. If they give them one more play with about four seconds to go. And I think eight, that, I thought that's what they were going to do. You thought they're going to win this game if they get one more yep. play. You just thought it. But you, I'm telling you, I'm going to give credit to Eric. When they're reviewing it, Eric tweeted out, wait a minute. This is not a dead ball. His knee is down. You called it on the play. And when the ref said it, you're like, all right, well, that's ball game. And, hey, UCF gets to eight wins. Yumi joked about this on my show, the idea of like, I know it's been a crazy season where everyone's been injured, including Gus Malzahn, but hey, year one, you lose your starting quarterback, you will take these eight wins and beating your rival. Well, and I tweeted out throughout the game, and I said it on your show, and I said it on our podcast the whole week. This game, if you win this game, no matter how ugly you do it, as long as you win this game, eight wins, you all, with all the injuries, I think you take it as you're a fan. If you lose this game, though, everything's out the window. Everything's a disappointment. Is that fair? People might say that's not fair, but that's how important this was to just not lose this game. Because I agree 100% with you. If South Florida wins this game, think of the momentum they have with McLean. I like McLean long term. I think they've got a quarterback. And 
that would have built a lot of momentum for USF, and that would have really taken a, a real gut punch to UCF's offseason. They don't. They win, especially this is probably one of the, the last time they'll play in the bounce house for a while. Yeah. So you want to have, and I know the UCF fans want to have the upper hand in the all-time series and went out and go out on top. Now they've at least clinched the fact that even if they were to lose last year, they end up tied all-time in the series. Hey, and, you, you know, it's a big win. It reminded me of the game in 17 where, what was his name? Flowers, the quarterback for South Quentin Flowers, yeah. Yeah, he was amazing. And you, you can see this with any program. If you get a dynamic quarterback, you could change around the fortunes of your franchise. You really can. And, and I'm sorry to say this. It's like you got Keen out there. He's really young. And there's you, you see it. He is not a Mackenzie Milton. He is not a, a Gabriel either. If you get a good quarterback out there, you could turn around your program. It's a good segue. See, I think you, <laughs> I want to ask you about Mikey Keene. You've uh, this was his ninth start. Give me your thoughts on him. What what do you what, what you like? You don't like from Mikey Keene? Not just in this game, but in general. What's your thoughts on Mikey Keene? I he's okay. I feel bad. He's not as explosive as the previous quarterbacks you've had at UCF. He's not right. But the th- I think today kind of summed up the whole season where it's like. You're not UCF fast like you've been in years past. You're not. It's it's a more balanced attack. We're going to play defense. We're not going to turn the ball over. We're going to try to make smart plays. We're not scoring 50 points, okay? Today you scored 17. That's the difference. You, I'm telling you, every UCF fan, and you're just like me, I follow them all on Twitter. They've been talking trash since last Sunday. They're going to blow out South Florida. We're going to destroy them. They're not a real program. We're UCF. Never We're happens. Great. I didn't see it today. I didn't. And it's weird where quarterback didn't put up big stats for UCF. The running game was very weird where it's like one guy ran 14 times for what, like 85 or so. Another guy ran eight times for almost 100 yards. It's a very interesting attack today by UCF. What did you think, Eric? I agree. I think Mikey King to this point is nothing more than a game manager. I don't think he's a playmaker that Gabriel is or McKenzie was. He's a game manager. Could that change with experience? Maybe. We'll see. But I haven't seen that glimpse of, man, this guy's a playmaker. Like Timmy McClain's a playmaker, right? Yeah. You, you could sense him. I never got that sense with Mikey King through these nine games. That doesn't mean you can't win with him, but the problem is if you have a game manager, that means everything around you has to be really good, and this team is shorthanded from that standpoint. You know, King was 14 for 26, 115 yards, had the one touchdown throw. Not good, right? You mentioned the running game. Johnny Richardson, eight carries, 94 yards. Mark Anthony Richards, more of the bruiser type, 14 carries for 73 yards. I think to answer your question about why the the, the carries distribution – I think Richardson, there's questions whether he could be an every down back and take, you know, get yardage between the tackles. I think, you know, Bowser's been their guy. Bowser's yeah. the guy that's been there, but he's obviously hurt, didn't play. And I think Mark Anthony Richards, who had an injury going into the season, has kind of been playing from behind all year long. He's kind of been the closest thing they have to Bowser. But your point's valid about the fact that the running game just, you know, South Florida, I think, figured out. Let's make try to make Mikey King beat us, especially at the end there in that fourth quarter. They came blitzing. They were going to make Mikey King make a throw. There was a play with like about, and I know there's so many plays. You, you forget about the first three quarters. Just the fourth quarter alone, there was a play early in the fourth where UCF, they got about a third and 14. And I yelled, I'm like, just go vanilla, go on your defense. Okay. And they, I don't know what South Florida is thinking, they run UCF runs the ball for like 17 yards in a first down. You're like, well, that'll ice the game. No, then South Florida gets another three and out. Like it's just that whole fourth quarter. I, it was so crazy. I just, I can't get over how UCF survived. Yeah. It's uh it's a crazy game. We got uh, fallen hero. The base legend chimes in rivalry. You throw out the records, throw out the records. I agree. Uh, that's some of the comments there. Make sure you came out with your comments here. Amy Bachman, Clyatt, we win. We have the series lead, and it was a painful 60 minutes to get there. It really was. Yeah. I don't think UCF – I don't think this was an enjoyable game from a UCF step. This wasn't a classic, well, awesome, exciting game 2017. This was a group – you know, you're like, man, you're just leaving them in this game. You're playing with fire. But <laughs> they held on. They held on uh, for dear life to win that game. 
And, you know, I think it's going to bring a lot. You know, people are – what's your thoughts on Gus's play call? Do you, some people obviously are saying he's too conservative, too predictable. My counter to that is I just – with the offense, that with the players you have currently, I'm not sure you could do a ton. And I just don't – again, I'm going to go back. Nothing. Mikey King's a nice quarterback, but I don't think he's a playmaker. And because he's a game manager, you kind of have to be conservative in your play calling. I think he's done an exceptional job where he lost his quarterback. Yeah. He lost him in that Louisville game. He had to make adjustments. And the fact that they got to eight wins is phenomenal for year one. I thought this was a transition year. And they got – and remember – and this is the thing. Remember, they have the most wins of any Florida team, any of them. Better than Miami, better than Florida, better than Florida State, better than South Florida. I, I don't know if that's good or bad. But if this is when you had to go to a freshman quarterback for the whole year and you got to really get it going and you get into next season, I will take this. I will take the eight wins. I really if they would have lost today, that would have been damaging, like damaging for them because they'd have to sit and eat on that for the next, what, nine months or so. That's why I mean, this was a nice win. And I agree with the comment. It was ugly. That's okay. Take the W just like with my Bears. Take the W and burn the tape, Eric. Just do that. Yeah, there's a lot of really similarity. What was your what was your expectations prior to the season for UCF? And then once Dylan went down in the Louisville game, how did that change your expectations? Because I, I had him at I had him at nine wins before the year. I could see ten if things broke right. And then once the injury hit with Dylan in the Louisville game, I'm like, oh boy. And yeah. the fact that they can end up with eight wins despite all that, I I agree with you. I think Gus. And the staff did a nice job keeping this team together because this team could have easily thrown in the towel. Like other teams, I won't mention names, but there was one in Gainesville that kind of thrown the towel in a few uh, for a few weeks. You know, when they played, and it feels like it was five years ago, when they played Louisville, and that was like a Friday night game, you know, pick six, they lose. It was awful. But I was very excited. I was like, hey, they're going to the Big 12, and they're always competing against these other Power 5 teams. They're never blown out. They're never embarrassed. That gets me very excited for the future. When they lost Dylan Gabriel, my expectations went down because I felt like, what would he be, a a third-year starter? I thought they'd be good enough to compete with Cincinnati. And remember, last year, they were right there with Cincinnati, and they should have won that game. So my expectations were very high. When they lost to Navy, I was kind of like, okay, let's just get to a bowl game. Like, that's how I felt. But again, they kept competing, and I – it was a big win today. It was ugly, but it was big. But those, my expectations went down. My question is, since Gabriel did not come back, so he's going to play next year, my expectations are going to go second year of Gus Malzahn. They're going to be to go try to win the conference championship with Dylan Gabriel. That's my expectation. Well, we got to make sure he comes back. I mean, that's yeah. going to be the big, one of the big offseason questions is does he stick around? Does he come back next year? Or does he enter the portal, Mark? Because as you know, this is the new age of college athletics with the transfer portal. It's like free agency. Uh, we'll see. I think there's questions. We'll see if he comes back. That's the first thing we got to secure is does he come back? If not, do you believe that Mikey King should be your starter next year? I know Gus Malzahn's got a highly touted quarterback in Castellanos that's coming back, is coming in. They're, you know, perhaps do they go to the transfer portal for a quarterback if Dylan leaves? This is all speculative, but there were, I'll be honest, Mark, there's people that thought Dylan would be back by now. They would have played in this game. It didn't happen. Not the end of the world. Still got a bowl game, but people wonder, are, is he coming back or not? And until we have an answer on that, I think that's a cloud uh, as far as a question mark for 2022. So you get an extra year of eligibility from last year, like everyone does. And yep. then he probably gets eligibility for this year as well. He, you know what I mean? He can play for Well, especially while. as long as he doesn't play in the bowl game. Yeah, he could redshirt this year. Yeah. He probably will do that. I, yeah, I look, agree. And, at and this Keen, point. you know, it's – look, he won football games. For a freshman to come in and do what he did, and it wasn't the greatest thing, but give the guy credit for showing up and, and doing his job and what he had to do. I see. I'm happy he'll be on the roster for next year, but I can see where where you're coming from. Where it could be open competition, whatever happens next year. Yeah, come spring uh, with him. And again, it all depends. If Gabriel comes back, I agree. He's the starter. The expectations go higher. If he doesn't come back, now there's questions about. Well, is Keen the guy? Can he carry the offense? 
you know, they've got to address some things on the on the roster. The good news is they are on on track to have their best recruiting class uh, in program history. So the Calvary is coming uh, with Gus Malzahn, and that's the thing we sometimes forget. And it's quite quite frankly, it's one of the reasons why Dan Mullen's no longer in Florida is because the recruiting class in Florida has gone downhill, whereas UCF here it's gone up under Gus. The thing I will say also, I forgot to bring this up in the open, and I appreciate having me on, is the defense really stepped up. They really stepped up today. And the defense, and I'm guilty of this, is where I've been very critical of them. They've given up big points in big situations. That was a good effort today. It's not great, but that hey, those guys stepped up. The defense was the difference. Holding on for 60 minutes at home, that was very key. That really helped. They've had problems for years on the defensive side of the ball. And that gets me excited for Gus Malzahn as well. Maybe they, they could be more of a balanced attack moving forward. They, they're going to need it. That's the key. Remember last year in this game, UCF gave up a ton of yards and like 40-some points to a bad South Florida team. This year, this team kind of won a lot of games. They won the two-lane game, the East Carolina game, this game. They did, they've did. they improved. They Obviously, they still have flaws. But I think you're right. They've improved under Travis Williams, who's the defensive coordinator. And again, they've got good personnel coming in via the recruiting class. Plus, I think this staff's going to be, as they've shown even when they got here, they're going to be aggressive on the transfer portal. So I expect a lot of talented new faces on this roster in 2022 for them. I was going to ask you, so do you feel like it's solidified? They're going to the Big 12 and starting to play football games in 2023. Do you think that's what it's going to be now? Set yeah, I, yeah, they will. Obviously, they're going to want to win the league, the American next year, go down on top. But I agree with you. I think this is just as much about building a roster to be ready to go in 2023. Because starting in 2023, you're playing for big bucks now. There are no more. Hey, maybe, maybe we'll get a shot from the committee. Maybe we won't. You're going to be playing at a much stronger conference, and you're going to be playing for better bowl games. You're going to be playing for an opportunity for the playoff. There's a lot on the line in from the get-go. So you won't you don't want to be behind. You don't want to just show up and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, we are way behind. So I think a part of this is 2023. I have circled that day for this program and for Gus. And I think Terry Mahajer too. I think when he hired Gus, a part of him is like, we got to have a coach that's coached in a power five conference. And oh, look what happens. Now you're gonna go into a power five conference. And I think, yes, next year it would be great. I agree. High expectations, try to win the league. But it's also as much about 2023 and making sure you've got a team that can compete for the Big 12 title from day one. Hey, you'll – look, I think the win of this season, when I look back, is we're going to the Big 12. I think that's – Absolutely. Make, that's the number one. We're going to the Big 12. We got Gus Malzahn. And maybe – and I'm still – look, I'm still a little hesitant. I got to see him stay here for more than three years or two years. You're not like, sold I, yet, are you? Yeah, I, I don't – I hope he stays. I do. But, like, that – and maybe that is the transition to the Big 12. Because we saw where Luke Fickle decided he's staying, you know, at Cincinnati. Well, he's going to make that transition to the Big 12. I think that is uh, – look, I always have high expectations. I want to compete for the conference championship. I do. And that – and essentially 17 and 18, and you saw them do that. That's what it wants to be. But I think going to the Big 12 – Getting eight wins, Gus Malzahn. I think this was a successful season. It's not the greatest season, no. but you beat your rival. And hey, what bowl game can they go to now? That's what I'm excited to see. Yeah, people are asking us about a bowl game options. We'll get into that in a little bit once I let you go on that. But I think they, I think they're going to shoot for a decent bowl game, and more importantly, the matchup. The matchup is what they're going to shoot for. I think they're going to shoot to try to play somebody. You know, for example, like I did a projection on BlackAndGoldBanner.com. I haven't gone to Gasparilla against Florida State, assuming Florida State wins this weekend against Florida. Imagine that, Mark, a Florida State-UCF Gasparilla Bowl. Is that the one in Tampa? Yes. Yep. Raymond James, yeah. What was the game they went to at the Rays Stadium a couple years ago? What was that bowl? That was also the same bowl game, but they've moved it from the Trop to Raymond James because they realized, hey, maybe playing in this baseball stadium is not such a great idea. (laughs) No, it's not. That'd be – That'd be a great game. It really would be. But you know what's funny? Doesn't Florida State, Florida, someone's got to win tomorrow to that's get bowl eligible. Just think about that. That's that's another thing. you got to give credit to UCF. 
you know, they've changed coaches. I mean, since I've been here, it's pretty crazy when you think George O'Leary, Scott Frost, Josh Heupel, and now you got Gus consistently outside of what, 15? Consistently over a decade straight going to bowl games is incredible for the program. Yeah, I agree. Uh, they're going to have the best record of any team in the state of Florida at the end of the year. You love Period. It. Period. You scoreboard. Love it. <laughs> it is scoreboard. It really – and – I, look, going to the Big 12, and they made I, – I will take this to my grave. University of South Florida said we'll take the two-for-one against all these big programs, and they got annihilated in those games. UCF said we're not doing that, and I know that was the former regime. regime. I think it was the right move, and I think they've done everything correctly to get to the Big 12. They really have. And I've told you this on my show. Coaches have come and gone. You got to give all the credit to these players over the last five years. They've been consistent since they went 0 12 and, and putting a good product on the field. These student athletes, they've been incredible. I can't stress that enough because that really got them to the Big 12. If they were three and seven every year, there is no Power Five football in East Orlando. There's not. Agreed. 100% agreement on that. Uh, Mark Moses joining us on the night shift. I know you have a life. You've got things to do. Just tell us a little bit where people can find you on a on a daily basis. Well, for the for the last couple of days, I've been here in Port St. Lucie, home of the New York Mets training facility for spring training, and my parents live here. I'm here hanging out with two dogs and two cats. I had a great <laughs> Thanksgiving. You can follow me at Mark Mosey's show on all social media apps. And Eric does I can't stress this enough. Eric's a great friend of mine. Great passion, great broadcaster. Thanks for having me on. And uh, charge on, buddy. Big win tonight. Thank you, buddy. I will uh, talk to you soon, my friend. Have a happy uh, rest of Thanksgiving weekend. That's Mark Moses joining us here on Night Shift. All right. Back here on Night Shift here. Let's take some questions here. I know you've been waiting. Uh, lots of questions to get to here. And I will address them here. Uh, let's hear Amy Bachman Klein. We addressed that one earlier. Lonely Bumblebree. We just got to win one more at home and we hold the series lead for a long time. Obviously referring to the game in Tampa next year. <laughs> UCF, USF. All right. So here's the question. Fallen hero, the base legend, bowl options. So if you look at black and gold banner at this week, we're doing bowl projections and I'm sure we're going to do another one uh, this week between me and Drew Glukoff. I think it's one of those deals where I would say it's a really tricky year as far as figuring out the bowl games because there's always a lot of back channels, negotiations going on. I think those are the things that's very tricky uh, in this scenario. However, I have projected, I mentioned this earlier with Mark, I think Gasparilla is on the table for UCF. I, I think Gasparilla now with eight wins, uh, if you're Gasparilla, you want to have a chance to draw people to your stadium in Tampa. And, you know, there's been some reports, some speculation, if you will, that, for example, if the winner of the Florida-Florida State game like, could get an invite, it may end up deciding to go to the Gasparilla Bowl. Now, why is that significant? If, in my opinion, uh, if Florida wins, I think it's going to be Florida and Miami as your likely bowl game in Casparilla in that scenario. Uh, however, I think if Florida State wins, I think there's going to be some pressure, if you will, or some thinking that, hey, let's make this Florida State-UCF matchup happen because Mackenzie Milton, and as somebody alluded to on the chat, in the comments, you don't think TV would like that storyline of Mackenzie Milton returning to the field where he got hurt? to finish off his college career. Now, it's worth pointing out he hasn't played in a while, but that's a bowl game. It's an exhibition game. Uh, I would be surprised if McKenzie doesn't get some snaps in a bowl game to close out his career. So I think that's it could be in play uh, as far as that's concerned, whether, you know, but that's one option. That is absolutely a possibility. Uh, Drew has him going to the Birmingham Bowl against Auburn, which that in itself would be a fascinating storyline considering Gus came over from Auburn. So I think those are two pretty good, interesting options to go with in Birmingham and I have in Gasparilla that both produce some interesting storylines 
for bowls for bowl people and television, which obviously runs the bowls. So I think those are a couple of things to keep in mind from a bowl game option. Um, but it's so hard to handicap that that you know at times to tell. But those are my thoughts uh, on the bowl game situation. Feel free to throw out what bowl games you think they could be heading uh, to there. Questions about Bryson Armstrong. Did we miss Bryson Armstrong? I think you miss him a little bit at times, sure. But other guys, remember, you got Baptiste back too as well. So, you know, you missed him a little bit, uh, perhaps, on some plays. I think Travis Williams can answer that question better than I can. Uh, so we'll see on that. Uh, other comments here. I'll take eight uh, eight wins when even the coach gets injured. It's a fair point from Fallen Hero uh, based on le- based legend. I think that's a good point there uh, in deal there. Uh, other comments. Amy Bachman. Yes, defense gets the credit in the crunch tonight. They saved the game holding to three. You know, they played well defensively. Uh, they definitely played well. Uh, made plays. Held them to field goals. You're right. South Florida had some drives in that second half and uh, held on to win there. So we'll see how it goes uh, on that situation. UCF very uh, fortunate. Yes. Uh, I think the other positive about this bowl game, by the way, extra practice time. I think the coaches would be the first to tell you you get more reps, especially with a Mikey Keene, et cetera. I think that's a big positive moving forward is to get more uh, reps. And I don't think that's ever really something to to take for granted. So I, I, I'm for that. And uh, so we'll see how that goes uh, in that scenario. So let's see. We got other comments chiming in. People still talking about the last play of the game. And uh, UCF victorious here, 17-13. Leger Doosable, former Knight, chiming in on Twitter. They called it a sack after the interception when the refs came together. Also, no way they would have been able to spike with eight seconds with receivers and linemen all over the place, plus ref having set to set the ball. Agree a thousand percent. That's the key. With no timeouts, with no timeouts, that's the tough thing to do. That's the toughest pl- thing to do. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens there uh, in that regard. So we'll see. Now let's see if we can. We're going to try to get some Gus Malzahn uh, sound following this victory. We'll see if we get to that or not. Uh, although the post game is still going on live. So uh, we're going to wait it out a little bit. We'll see if we get to that to that point. Uh, but we do have some sound from Gus here in the, in the locker room. So let's see if we can get to that point. Uh, Knights Victoria 17, 13 UCF versus, let me see some more comments. UCF versus a Florida power five winner is the best team in the state. Uh, could happen if Florida state wins. I think there's a possibility that happens. Hawaii bowl, by the way, is another game to watch out for, uh, I don't see them going to like Fenway Park. Military Bowl could be a possibility. Those are kind of the bowl games associated with the American. Sometimes, though, they kind of go off the board. And you just don't know what the negotiations. The other factor is, is Cincinnati in the playoff? Are they in the New Year's Six Bowl? Or are they or they don't make the New Year's Six Bowl? I think those does the American have a representative in the New Year's Six I think also plays a role. So I don't think you're going to hear something official this week until all of that is very much settled, uh, to be honest with you. So uh, we'll see how that goes from that regard. Uh, this is Gus Malzahn. They just put, put this clip up from the post-game locker room. So here's what I want to do. That's a... That's a pretty victor- uh, excited post game there, folks. Pretty, pretty exciting deal. Uh, Knights victorious, seventeen to thirteen, is the final, and uh, it's what. Look, man, it, it's we don't know what's going to happen to the future of this rivalry, but uh, it, it's. I don't think it's going to last. I think it, but clearly there's emotion, and I think for a lot of the fans, uh, that. 
have grown up in this deal when they did USF kind of had the momentum and had they were talking smack and blocked them from going to the Big East. It's a that's a very sweet deal for them, uh, without question. Moving forward, this is a very sweet moment. That's why they you're not going to see them take these games uh, for granted at all. And uh, we'll see. UCF went victorious, seventeen to thirteen is the final score. Uh, now the nights we wait, we'll see what happens with the bowl game situation and, uh, to see if they can make it, uh, we'll find out where their destination is. That's the key. Where is the destination? Uh, more comments. All I want for Christmas is magic shoes for, or, 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 there. <laughs> Jim John chiming in. Yeah. Fortunate that didn't cost him to miss two field goals early. That was very concerning. He did make the one, uh, in the fourth quarter to go up four, which was important because as Mark and I talked about, without that, you know, kick, South Florida doesn't even need a touchdown in that last drive. They could just settle for a field goal. They did miss a kick themselves. They're going to be kind of upset about, but uh, you're right. No, that, that's, I think kicking game certainly uh, will be certainly something they, they will try to address, I think as well. I think this upcoming season, but again, he made the kick in the fourth quarter. That was important. But, yeah, I mean, if you make those two kicks early, I don't think we sweat this game out. I really don't. I think UCF wins this game by a couple scores if you make your kicks. Uh, it didn't happen, and uh, that's just the way it is. Let me read off some of the stats. Uh, total yards, South Florida outgained UCF 312 to 285. Held, uh, UCF ran for 173. South Florida ran for 90. UCF threw for 112. USF threw for 222. First downs, USF outgained UCF 20 to 12. Eight penalties for South Florida, seven for UCF, 45 yards for South Florida, 50 for UCF. South Florida, six of 16 on third down conversions. UCF, five of 13. South Florida did convert two fourth downs. They did a nice job. That continues to be a problem, too. They're not getting off the field. UCF not executing third downs has been a factor. South Florida was actually had 74 plays. 74 plays. Uh, UCF only 54, really. Uh, and I think South Florida had the better play in the second half, but the defense held in there, and I thought they were strong. 5.3 yards of play for UCF, 4.2 for South Florida. But UCF got some big sacks at the end. UCF 3 of 5 on the red zone. South Florida 2 of 3. South Florida had 35 minutes of the ball uh, time of possession. UCF 24. McLean 18 of 29, 222 uh, in the game. But minus 17 yards rushing, a lot of that is because of the sacks that UCF was able to get, including that last one, which was huge. Where it's Mikey Keene, 14 of 26, 115 yards and a touchdown in the game. Ryan O'Keefe held in check, five catches, 45 yards. Uh, Johnny Richardson, the pass game was just non-existent. That's a concern. Uh, it came down limping. Uh, disappointing considering how bad South Florida's defense has been. But uh, again, uh, it wasn't pretty offensively at all, but they find a way to win the game defensively. Tatum Bethune, 18 total tackles, eight solos. He was he had a great game. Devon Wilson, nine solo tackles, five solos and a sack, uh, one and a half tackles for loss. He was tremendous. Uh, what a performance, though, this defense held in there and did just enough, just did enough uh, to win this game. And Travis Williams and the staff deserves a ton of credit uh, for this victory. And uh, they go to eight and four. And again, I, I think it's a positive. Uh, you go eight and four, considering the injuries, basically, you know, I thought this was a nine, 10 wins team, healthy. They go eight, not healthy. Uh, I think that's important. I think that's a big positive uh on that regard, and uh, very, very, very interesting. Uh, very, I, I think it's a positive season. Again, if they lose this game, we're having a completely different conversation. If that last play call, uh, last play, goes a uh, different way, we're having a completely different conversation. But fortunately, it went UCF's way, and rightfully so. It wasn't like, again, I think the refs made the right call. Leger Duzable, we showed the tweet why that was a positive play. And uh, like I said, very pleased with the results there for UCR. Let's get some more questions in here in time before we call it a day. Uh, Dylan Payne chiming in. 
Great to see that even at our worst, we are still better than the cows. <laughs> True, right? Like South, if you're South Florida, this is a very painful loss. You lose to a UCF team that, quite frankly, was depleted, and you couldn't still pull it off. Uh, and you probably felt that the refs shafted you. Long drive for the five, six South Florida fans that made the trip to the football game and for the hundreds they have watching at home. That, that's going to be a tough swallow for them. Uh, but, I, look, Timmy McClain's a playmaker. I think you build on that if you're South Florida. We'll see if they can, though. Jeff Scott's got to show some improvement next season. Uh, and their schedule is going to be really tough, too. So I'm not even sure how much improvement you'll see uh, next season. So I think it's a pretty important year for them. That's their problem, not our problem, as they say. Uh, UCF victorious on that. Uh, more comments. Uh <laughs> Let's see. Got uh, It's amazing to get the series lead in this rivalry. It's about time. But it's true. UCF's never led in this series. Uh, very valid. And I do think that's important. I think there's a, there's a, there's especially the older fan base that, you know, dealt with. I was there in the first game in 05. I've, you know, USF was in the Big East at the time. UCF was Conference USA, and, and USF certainly made it very felt like, "Hey, we don't, we shouldn't play you guys. We're above you." And uh, so, I think this is very satisfactory for UCF fans from that standpoint. And look, as far as the future is concerned, I don't, I don't. Again, I don't see these teams playing on a regular basis anymore in football after next season. Uh, unless you know, keep in mind that the conference might go in the Big 12 to nine games, they play a nine-game conference schedule. So if that's the case, UCF's only going to be left with three non-conference games. So that's uh, that's something that, to me, has to – you keep that in mind when you think about the quarterback situation or the scheduling situation, I should say. That will play a role. Nine games in the Big 12. Uh, and if you're UCF, you're going to keep the marquee games you've got, period. In South Florida, too. They're going to keep their marquee game. So that's why I don't think this series will last. Um, You know, some will like it, some won't. I understand that, but that's business. Uh, So we'll see. So offsides at the end, uh, anything to worry about there? Yeah, I mean, I I think they're a little overly jacked. Sometimes in an emotional game like this, you get a little bit antsy. And you're right. If If UCF loses this game, we're going to look back. Those three offsides call in that final drive that aided South Florida. No question. That aided him. Uh so that would have been, yeah, we would that would have been a talking point. I, I can't deny that. And uh, but you know, I don't know what you could do there. Sometimes, you know, you're anticipating certain things and and, and that that's kind of a one of those deals where you just try to stay disciplined. But you're right. That would have been something that we would be talking about much more at length. I think if UCF loses this game, we would have been talking about those three flags, the offensive struggles. We would be talking about the play calling, the kicking game. All of that would be much more addressed right now on the table. But they won. So it's not. And I think everybody understands how limited this team is right now, roster-wise. I mean, you saw, I mean, Johnny Richardson was limped out, came back. Uh, this team is beat up, and it, you know their depth got hit, and it's been hit hard. And uh, you know, it. I, I I'm not going to judge the offense. People want to judge Gus's play calling this stuff and this and that. This team is limited offensively. It just is. I'm not. You know, you have a quarterback that's a young quarterback that right now is a game manager at best, in my opinion. With your your number one running back hurt. Your number one receiver, not really healthy, really. I mean, Jalen Robinson. Um, so I, I think for people, I'm not surprised that the offense struggled. I know it's not something people are used to, but I think those are the circumstances. But the good news is that the defense stepped up. I don't think this team wins these games last year at all. I think they lose all these games because I don't think the defense would have been as good. I don't think the coaching internally would have been as good, uh, quite frankly. So, like, the, pre- the previous regime, I don't think, wins these many games. Uh, you know, people could take it for whatever they want with that. But, you know, that's just kind of my opinion on that. Um, so, you know, I-, I give credit to this staff. I think if you're a UCF fan, you feel good about this staff. 
You feel good about the recruiting class that's coming in. But obviously there are some very serious questions that will have to be addressed soon here in the next month. And obviously quarterback position being one of them. And what happens? Does Dylan come back? Does he not come back? I think that starts there because uh, that changes your narrative a little bit, as we talked about with Mark Moses uh, a little bit there. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Um, man, that was just a crazy, crazy game. All right. We are hoping to play here Gus Malzahn's post game here shortly and let you hear from Coach Malzahn on his thoughts on this game. What did he think about this game? You've heard from us. You've heard from the uh, from Mark Moses. You've heard from a lot of different people. But let's hear from the head honcho himself, Gus Malzahn. proud of our team um you know eighth win uh nothing's been easy this year and a lot of times i told in the locker room it's it's how you win the hard fight really it challenges you deep down in whether you're a coach or a player and they responded um you know give south florida credit they came in here and i knew it wouldn't matter about the records they played really good on defense um their quarterback he's a he's a handful and uh, our guys made a play at the end to win the game uh, 7-0 at home, uh, real proud of that. Uh, our home field advantage is, is one of the best in the country. There's no doubt about that. Uh, proud of our seniors. Uh, you know, the seniors that uh, were able to get them a victory on their last home game here against the rival, especially the way it went went down. Um, offensively, didn't play our best, but they had a lot to do with it. Uh, they really challenged us. They kind of confused us with some of the looks right there on third down. Probably the big play of the game was the smoke draw right there for Johnny. Even though we didn't score, he switched the field down there, and I uh, thought that was big. And then defensively, you know, I thought uh, one of the plays of the game was, you know, when Travis went zero blitz and William Wells, which he hadn't played a whole lot of defense all year. It was next man up, Quadric Bullard goes down, and and he, he stepped up in his moment. That was a big sack right there. So real proud of our team. Eight wins with everything that we went through. Uh, real proud of our team. Uh, we're building the foundation. Uh, we're building the foundation of something really, really special, and, going to go to a bowl game and try to get our ninth questions there was some confusion at the end of the game a little bit on you know his knee was down and it looked like they were about to line up for another play how quickly did you get that platform to to argue that way to look like yeah no i mean i knew the game was over i mean it's either it's either we're gonna go ace victory and kneel it or you know his knee was down in the 10 second runoff so i know everybody was kind of freaking out but i knew the game was over and you know you just kind of wait and let it play off and let him let him announce it Daniel Barsky missed two field goals in the first half, but he comes out and kind of ices the game for you guys, puts you up 17 to 13. Talk about his night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, the first one, that was tough. It was a short one. The second one, I mean, it was, you know, it's one of those 50 50 ones. But hey, a game like this, and I told him, I said, dude, you're going to win a game for us before it's all said and done. And you know, he made the big kick. And that's not an easy kick, you know, in the fourth quarter, made, made, the, made the kick and helped us win the game. Coach, congratulations. Um, there's a, a lot of talk that maybe this rivalry could be coming to an end when you guys move to the Big 12, at least on an annual basis. Um, <clears throat> obviously, this means a lot to your players, your fans. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think about this rivalry? Yeah, I mean, it was real. I've been blessed to be a uh, part of some really cool rivalries. And this this was right there with it, you know, especially you just feel the intensity and how important it is to everyone. and teams played their guts out and like I said hats off to that bunch they played their guts out man and it was it was a good game to watch I'm sure for fans as far as the future I mean we'll, we'll see with our, our administration all that they'll make the, the, the decisions on that one one follow-up with, with all your team has been through this year yeah. uh, to finish eight and four in the regular <laughs> season what is uh is this one of your better coaching jobs <laughs> I don't know about that I, I'm just I'm just blessed to be coaching this bunch I you know, this is probably the most challenging year I've ever had as a coach as far as injuries and next man up. And But, you know, it, it'll be one of the most rewarding, I feel like. Um, you know, I just keep telling myself, you know, hey, we're building this thing. We're building this thing. And we told our seniors the same thing. So, guys, you know, you're, you're, we'll look back. There's going to be great times ahead. This year, everybody will look back. And the foundation's being built. And so, yeah, it's been interesting. 
one-two punch tonight between Johnny and Mark Anthony. Yeah. Talk about the yardage that they've picked up for Yeah, you. you know, Johnny's done a great job. Mark is a load. You saw that. He's starting to come in to be a real running back. You know, Mauser, we were hopeful earlier in the week, and he just wasn't able to, to go. But it's been next man up and running backs. I think both those guys started out number five and six, first at fall camp. They were one and two out there today against our rival, and I thought both of them played well. Coach, you mentioned building a foundation. You've weathered quite the storm this season. Can you talk about how strong you feel like you've built the foundation in your first year here? Yeah. Oh, there's no doubt. There's, there's no doubt. That bunch, a bunch of winners in there. I mean, they're, they're not going to quit. They're going to fight. They're going to claw. Our coaches are going to do the same thing. There was no dividing. Um, college football is uh, it's a real interesting deal when things start going south, and uh, especially nowadays. And just that's what I'm probably most proud of. They never flinched. We never had one bit of like drama, you know, and have to doctor fill them and tell them it's going to be okay. No, they just stepped up. So, man, we got the next game and they put the tough stuff behind them. And so I'm real proud of them. He's been close a couple of times this season, but Titus finally broke a big uh, What was the dial up? Yeah, that was a big play in the game, too. So we went safe defense and we tried to, to do that little two returners out there and, uh, we did it in punt return earlier in the year, and it didn't work. And so we felt like a safe defense, you know, and sure enough, the gunner went uh, for uh, Omari. And uh, Crud, I was hoping it'd be house call. I mean, they, they did a pretty good job. Their, their back-end guys did a pretty good job. I thought it'd be house call, but it really helped us. Coach, I know you have one game left, but can you sum up Mikey's regular season? He helped you guys win six yeah. games out of the bullpen. So I mean, just think, you know, he's 18 years old. Uh, I know he came here, got here about a month before I did, and I guarantee he wasn't thinking he's was going to have to carry the mail force. And not only he carried the mail, that the guy's a lot of winner in him, man. He's tough. He's not very big. That guy is a tough dude. And just what you have to go through off the field mentally to play quarterback in Division One, that's hard. Then you throw in the physical. I mean, you saw him, he got banged up, and he wasn't 100% coming to the game. He hadn't been 100% probably in the last three weeks. He's not complaining. Nobody knows. He's tough as crap, and, and I couldn't be more proud of him. Did they show you something defensively that you weren't uh, expecting? Yeah, you know that we. It, it was kind of interesting. They fired their defense coordinator, and you know, and you say, okay, well, they're going to probably do something different, or the coach wasn't happy. So we figured they'd blitz more. We figured they'd play more man. We tried to hit a couple shots early, and protection kind of broke down, and they just kept blitzing. It was a blitz fest, and that's the way it works. If you don't. If you don't hurt somebody from blitzing, they're going to continue to do it. And we never really hurt them. And give them credit. I mean, they did a good job mixing things up. You know, Bobby Bentley, you know, he was with me uh, 2014 and 15. We know each other well and all that. But they they did a good job. Coach, uh, Matley, you know, toughed it out. Real, you know, but definitely he looks beat up. He's, he was hobbling oh. off the field sometime. How's he feeling? Yeah, he's beat up. He's a winner, too. I mean, we, we got a lot of guys that, that are in that boat that most teams probably wouldn't play. Them guys, they care about their teammates, and, and they're there, man. And they answer the bell. Matt's one of those guys. We had to pull him at halftime last week. He just couldn't go. You know, we pulled him. He, he didn't pull himself. And, but this game, different. A rivalry game, you put it out there. We got time to rest up now. Got time to heal up, and we'll figure out where we're going bowling. You just talked about uh, Titus's pump, but yeah, that eventually led to that uh, Mikey to Brandon Johnson touch on the corner. You just talked about that play, put it in the perfect spot, and you had yeah. to score. Yeah, we went, you know, of course, we, we had had Charlie, you know, our true freshman, 6'7 guy, and we tried to throw the fade. He let the guy push him out of bounds. And so we have two plays we worked all year. You know, when you got a true freshman quarterback, you got to be very specific. And so, you know, every Sunday we'd work fade left and right. And then we bring Brandon in, and our play was the get two yards in zone and back shoulder to pylon. So it really worked out back to back. It looked like the same look and they executed. It wasn't easy. That, that That's a hard throw. That's a hard route. A little stress right there on the headsets. I mean, that was it was like that, you know, and you're sitting there thinking, okay, it's six inches. All right, it's fourth down. Are we going to go for it? Or are we going to kick a field goal? That's the communication that goes through when you're waiting for the review. Now, I thought it was a touchdown, but crap. The way this year's went, who knows? Mikey Keene, you know, obviously led you to the victory. Dylan Gabriel, again, not able to play. What discussions have you had with him, and how is he feeling? Yeah, yeah, he, he was sick this week. Um, you know, wasn't able to play. Coach, there's talk that you guys could play the winner of the Florida-Florida State game in a bowl game. How would you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, like I said when I first got hired, man, we'll play anybody. 
mean, it's 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 a bowl. It's it's a chance to win nine games. I mean, we're we're very excited to to go bowling wherever we are, whoever we're playing. I mean, we're we're going to be extremely excited. At three and three, you said uh, most teams don't get better in the second half yeah. of the season, but you thought yours could. Why did your team go five and one down the stretch? It, it, it was hard. It, it, it's all our players. They, they just decided to do it. We went five and one and three and three. I mean, it wasn't real good. Now, nah, you know, it wasn't 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 a lot of fun then. And um, you know, we were going through a transition of quarterbacks. We had KD. We lost him. You know, our best defensive player. Um, but our guys fought, man. That that's that's what I remember. I remember the five and one. And it wasn't easy tonight, but we found a way to win. And uh, five and one, that last six games, I uh, probably not very many teams around the country that can say that. Coach, can you talk more about the atmosphere, particularly late in the game? Uh, yeah. The crowd was loud. I think they maybe, you know, helped uh, oh, exit yeah. a false start there. That kind it of rewarded one of their no drives. No doubt. It got loud now, and you could feel it now. You could feel the intensity. And then, like I said before, they willed us to win. I mean, Tulane, they willed us to win. East Carolina, that was a real summer of that. And they willed us to win. And, uh just so thankful for our, our fan base being patient with us. Um, I know it hadn't been the, the bells and whistles and everything. It's going to be, but I really appreciate our fan base hanging with us, being patient. Um, really good times ahead. Uh, on the bowl game again, what's next for this team? What, what will go into the process of you know kind of choosing that bowl you're going to play? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get with Terry, and uh, you know we'll we'll figure out what that looks like. Uh, we're going to enjoy this one. I'm going to sleep late tomorrow, all right? That's what I'm going to do, watch a little football. I'm going to hang out with my wife, which I hadn't seen all season. Um, and then we'll figure out what that next step is. Coach, yeah. three seniors on the offensive line group. Can you just talk about the leaders on this team? Yeah, our offensive line, they've carried the mail for us. I mean, they're, they're the guys we were really relied on, um, you know, especially during the transition with a true freshman quarterback. and. Couldn't be more proud of those guys. They've been consistent. There's some tough guys up front. They played a lot of football. And uh, so they, they they really are some of our leaders. Okay. Thank you all. All right. That was Gus Malzahn. Very interesting post games, to say the least. Uh, addressing a lot of questions there. We're going to take a couple of more of your questions before calling it a night. Petey Pete chiming in. What is your what's your prediction on reducing their screen passes and increases their number of crossing routes next season? <laughs> I think a lot of that's going to depend on what who's the quarterback, what do you have coming back. Um, it's too early to tell on that, but I, th I look the screenplays. The problem there was the blocking wasn't. I don't think was as effective. Otherwise, I think they would have broken some of those runs. Uh, and I think that's one of the deals there. Uh, question from Dylan Payne. What does Keen have to do to take the next step, in your opinion? Throwing motion, taking way too long is one thing I see. I agree with you, Dylan. I think he's just make quicker decisions. I don't think he's reading the defenses as smoothly, I think, as you would like. But, again, he's a freshman. But I think things seem to develop slowly with him. And I think that's one of the reasons why this offense has gone slowly. Does that get picked up with experience, spring ball? Who knows? But I think those are very valid questions and could be very important if depending on what happens with the quarterback room between now and spring. And I think, but those are fair questions. I think that's some of those decisions got to be sped up a little bit for him. And I think if you do, if you get that, you will have, I think, some more creative play calling and perhaps open up the playbook more. I, I think that goes hand in hand on that. All right, a uh, couple quick things here to monitor here, folks. Go to blackandgobenerate.com. We're going to have coverage of UCF and Oklahoma men's basketball. Kyle Nash will be at the basketball game on Saturday. He will be covering that game from the arena. Big game for UCF undefeated against Oklahoma. Big power conference there. The Sooners, you try to upgrade the resume. Remember, UCF will play Auburn at Auburn uh, at the end. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, later this week at Auburn. And then the volleyball selection show is Sunday night, 8.30 on ESPNU. Bryson Turner, myself, we're going to all be covering that. Find out where UCF is going as far as the NCAA tournament. We're obviously going to monitor where UCF is going bowl-wise. You heard Gus address that at the end there. Uh, I think they're going to get a good bowl. I think Tampa is a very good possibility uh, that could play out. We shall see. Uh very interesting. Very interesting 
next week or two. I think we'll know when the next week where the bowl game. I don't know if we'll necessarily know in advance. I think they got to let the conference championship play out and things like that. So uh, that'll do it here, folks. Hey, I want to thank uh, Mark Moses for joining us here on Night Shift. Thank you to all of you that have chimed in with questions. I've got to host the show solo tonight. You've made it a lot easier to do, uh, for sure. And uh, we'll, we'll probably do one again uh, for the bowl game. We'll see where the bowl game is, what day the bowl game is, what time the bowl game is. Uh, that will determine who the parties are involved on the show. But uh, I've enjoyed hosting the majority of these. It's been a blast. And uh, hopefully you have all have enjoyed tuning in and getting your voice heard and listening from all aspects, the fans, media, co- and the coach. That's the, This is the only place where you get to hear all that in one spot, and that's on Night Shift. Here, make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Make sure you give us a thumbs up and uh, – Make sure you subscribe on YouTube as well as on Twitter and on Facebook. Like us there on Facebook, of course, blackandgobanneret.com. All your favorite social media devices. We'll have our weekly podcast. Night Shift could be, should be on the podcast as well. I know last week some people said, where was it? I, we'll, we'll try to correct that moving forward because people want to hear it. Some people still rather see it than hear it. Uh, rather hear it than watch it, I should say. So we, uh, we'll try to do our best on that uh, deal. So. Uh, check out BlackEagleBetterRed.com. Knee-jerk reactions for Drew Glukoff will be up, as well as well, where is this team going bowling, among many great topics. Of course, UCF Oklahoma men's basketball, volleyball, still a lot busy, busy time in this weekend for UCF. Thanks again to Mark Moses for uh, all of you for tuning in. I'm Eric Lopez. This has been Night Shift on the Black and Gold Banneret.